Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Have a wonderful, blessed day. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. All right, welcome everyone. Welcome to Whole Life Healing. I uh, I hope that uh, we we honor your presence here by giving you a little something that challenges you this week, a little something to chew on and think about, and a little something to practically apply to maybe make your week a little better, and maybe every once in a while your life a little better long term. At least that's what we hope and pray. All right, today's a little bit different. Uh, typically, we are more kind of spiritually and mentally focused. Uh, today, we're going to be probably a little more scientifically focused, which is we probably do one out of every, oh, maybe once every six months or so. But this is one of those. But hang with me because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this new scientific research and apply it to your life and how to practically use this to make your life better and the spiritual and the mental and health issues and all of the above. So we will be kind of tying the ends together at the end. Um, wonderful new research. Uh, called that has been named the availability bias, and you can Google and find this uh, easily. Uh, one of the one of the leaders in this is um, a psychologist named Steven Pinker. He talks a lot about it in his, I believe, best-selling book, Enlightenment Now. Uh, and uh, you can you can. Uh, Google him, find out about him. I want to reference a story from USA Today, October 23rd, 2018, an interview or article about his book and Steven Pinker. And um, I'm going to read a couple little excerpts, not not too long, but I want to give you the feel of this. Uh, but actually, before I do that, uh, let me give you sort of a little... Uh, teaser, a little hook, okay? Have you known someone in your life that was pretty negative all the time, okay? 
and and it uh, most of us have. And how did you feel around them? I mean, did you look forward to getting with them and hearing their negative spin on pretty much everything? Or was it sort of a bummer to you that you kind of avoided? Uh, if you're really honest with yourself, are you one of those people? Do you tend to be negative about most things? Or do you tend to be negative about more things than maybe you feel like you should? And, and, have you, and if you are, and also about that other person who's negative that maybe you don't like being around, have you ever wondered why are they so negative? Or why are you not more positive about the things in your life? Well, most people just attribute that to life circumstances. And they say, well, you know, they've been hurt or they're just a miserable human being. They've just chosen to be that way. Well, what I want to challenge you with today is, is maybe none of those reasons are correct. Maybe, maybe they're that way because there's a mechanism in them that is functioning correctly, one mechanism, and another mechanism is functioning incorrectly. And so maybe them being negative or you not being more the person that you want to be is almost being mandated and would be very, very difficult to go against. I've noticed in myself over the decades that sometimes during the day, I'm really, really, really positive, and sometimes I'm kind of negative about some things. And, and usually after the fact, I think, why was I so negative about that? I mean, I, I, that was a little overboard, all right? And uh, I absolutely believe in my case, and in the case of many of my clients, that it was what I'm about to tell you, that one mechanism was functioning correctly and another one was malfunctioning. All right, let's take a look at the one that was functioning correctly. And I believe that is being called availability bias. All right, so this is relatively new science, uh, very well done research. Uh, I, I, I believe it is true. It also makes sense with the spiritual truths, which that, that's a, that has to be true for me, or I will not believe it's true. And typically, research comes out a few years later saying, oh, you know, that thing we thought wasn't true. That's exactly what happened with affirmations. Affirmations were just monstrous for about a decade. And I kept saying, this is harmful, this is harmful, this is harmful. And everybody threw rocks at me, or a lot of people did. And then sure enough, the very first university double-blind study ever done, this is harmful, not helpful, okay? And I believe that because it conflicted with spiritual truths, all right? But what I'm about to tell you today is in harmony with spiritual truths. So I do believe this is true. Okay, let me read a couple of excerpts from this USA Today article about availability bias. Whether you live near a natural disaster or not, it's easy to have a pessimistic outlook these days. Politics, global warming, harassment, prejudice, disease, and famine are all litter the news. 
Unstable countries have nuclear weapons. Russia is meddling with democracy. The national deficit is off the charts. And Flint, Michigan still has dirty water. Kids are addicted to video games. Millennials are still living at home with their parents. We don't know our neighbors anymore. And crime seems to be on the rise. At least that's the narrative most of us believe. A Pew Research study from last year showed the majority of Americans feel that life in the United States was better, and in some cases much better, 50 years ago. All right. Availability bias looks at similar studies around the world and found the majority of Earth's inhabitants feel the world is getting worse. Yet, these feelings simply do not mesh with reality. The world is far better than it was at any other time in history. Consider some of the facts. The average life expectancy is way up. Child mortality is way down. Famine and hunger rates have collapsed. Economic output per person is up across the world, and extreme poverty is way down. It was reported recently that more than half of the world's population now is middle class or wealthier, something that 50 years ago was not even in the ballpark. There are fewer wars happening now than at any point in human history, and nations are trending in the direction of democracy. Inequality has decreased around the globe. Violence is down including bullying, rape, and domestic abuse. This is even true for notoriously brutal places, such as Mexico, where violent rates are a fifth of what they were a century ago. To top it off, our quality of life is better. We spend more time with our children, less time in the office, less time doing housework than at any point in the last 50 years, and even the poorest of us have more spending money. You can get the data on all of these facts in um, a Google search. So I would, I would recommend that you do it, all right? But, if, and I'm still reading here, if the world is objectively better than ever, why are we so pessimistic? Part of the reason has to do with our brains and a quirk called the availability bias. When we see negative news reports, we don't put it in context. Instead, a report of a murder in the town next door makes us think that killings are common and we better lock all of our doors or we're liable to get murdered, even though we can only name one example. Another factor is the brain's bias toward negativity. Bad things are prioritized and loom larger in our minds than good things. We evolve that way because paying attention to potential dangers is necessary to survival. Okay, I'm, I'm stopping reading now. So we have an actual mechanism in our brain that causes us to lean to the negative in virtually any situation and negative things that happen, as I've been saying for 30 years, are prioritized above all other things in our memories and programming. Okay? 
So, availability bias could absolutely be the reason that that negative person that you don't like being around is negative. It could absolutely be the reason that you are not more positive like you would probably choose to be if you could, but you just can't make yourself do that. It's, it's probably the reason that sometimes I am more positive and sometimes I'm poor, more negative and don't really see any rhyme and reason why, okay? Well, the availability bias takes its marching orders from our memories, okay? Everything that ever happens, as something happens in your life, someone cuts you off in traffic, someone looks at you funny in the grocery store, whatever, and instantaneously that is run through every memory that you have. And the mandate by your unconscious mind is lean toward the negative and uh, in, in any life circumstance and prioritize negative memories that are in any way related to this situation. Well, it's hard to get past those two um, gatekeepers and not and 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 come out with a positive response. And I think that's why you're around so few people now who you think, oh my goodness, whatever they've got, I want some of it. They are loving, they are positive, they are kind. Nothing seems to get them down. Um, how are they doing that? And we suspect. So, so do they go home and just crash and are absolutely miserable until they wake up in the morning and then they put on their acting job again? Or is this real? And if it's real, how, how come I can't do that? Well, I believe the availability bias is another function of our unconscious mind that is trying to keep us safe, but it's, a, it's acting on wrong data, okay? So, the availability bias is the mechanism working correctly because based on the data it has in most people, it pushes us to lean to the negative in virtually any and every situation, okay? The mechanism that is malfunctioning is our programming based on our memories. The memories of our life, the memories that are unconscious to us because they were at an early age or in utero, and memories passed down from our ancestors. I just recently completed and released my memory engineering program where I talk extensively about how the latest research says that, that for almost everyone, our memory, it would really be more accurate to call our memories illusions because they are so full of lies and errors. And the, and the scientists that did that research considered not ever releasing it to the world because they thought it could do harm to humanity because they thought there's no way to fix this and if people know they're just kind of puppets on a string to their erroneous programming, they may become hopeless and give up.
and, and it could really spawn a worldwide epidemic of apathy and, and disillusionment, despair, etc. They, they opted finally to go ahead and release the research because they were committed to science and I'm glad they did. But I do believe there's a way to fix this, okay? So the, the correct function is availability bias, but even though it's the correct function, it's acting on lies and errors. The malfunction is in our unconscious and subconscious mind where our definitions have become skewed over thousands of years. And let me illustrate it this way. In the uh, story of the Garden of Eden from the Bible, there was one thing, one, that had the definition attached to it of die or kill. And the reason I'm bringing this up is the stress response, the other name for it, is the fear response, okay? And the only way the fear response is supposed to be activated is if it's a life or death situation. In other words, something that has the definition of die or kill. Nothing else is supposed to activate it, ever. That's a malfunction every single time when it's activated with something that does not have the definition of die or kill. The problem is, things have... Well, I'll get to that in a minute. Let let's go back. So at the Garden of Eden, the only thing that had the definition of die or kill was eating fruit from a certain tree in that garden. Everything else, as far as we can tell, was utopian. It was Shangri-La, okay? That they did work, but it's work they enjoyed. They were naked with no shame, no, no, there was nothing wrong about being naked. In fact, in fact, as best we can tell, there was nothing wrong except it eating the fruit of that one tree. Okay? Well, let's fast forward. Caveman days. Caveman days, there was probably five, six, or seven things that had the definition of die or kill. Uh, a guy in the next cave with a bigger club, a dinosaur not being able to find something to eat or water to drink, um, getting sick and really having no recourse at all, even if it's something that's going to kill me like the flu, there's nothing you can do about it because there's no doctors or anything, all right? Maybe, maybe someone who wants to take your wife for themselves, okay? Six or seven things, maybe, that have the definition of die or kill, all right? Fast forward to the Middle Ages, and there's probably 50 or 60 things that have the definition of die or kill. The Black Plague, pneumonia, flu, smallpox, um, invading armies, dictators, etc. All right. Today, ladies and gentlemen, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of things that have the definition of die or kill. Um, getting a letter from the IRS, even if it says 
you did a great job on your taxes, which I doubt you'd ever get. But, but hey, I've gotten letters that were refunds and letters that were, um, you know, you overpaid and here's, here's some money back. I've gotten a letter that says we got all your stuff and you look great, all right? But I can still remember a few times getting a letter and before I opened it, having this little kind of uh, shock run through my body a little bit, okay? Well, there's no way that could happen if I didn't have a definition attached to that of dire kill. I just went into fight or flight and I hadn't even opened the letter yet and I opened the letter and it's a $500 refund. And I'm, oh, yippee, we can go do something and have fun. But I went into stress shock before that because I had the wrong definition. Uh, seeing the news, seeing the stock market go down, it raining when you're not expecting rain, not getting a parking place close to the store when you wanted a parking place close to the store, someone cutting you off in traffic, someone being unkind to you, someone looking at you funny. Um, oh, goodness gracious. There's hundreds, if not thousands of them today. The only thing that's supposed to have a definition of dire kill is something that can literally kill you physically, mortally dead now. So our definitions our beliefs, our programming, our memories over thousands and thousands of years have not evolved, they've devolved to a place that we are now regularly malfunctioning because our programming has become corrupted just like a computer virus. So even though the circumstances of the world are getting better, our experience in the world is getting worse. Why? Because our beliefs are getting worse. Our feelings are getting worse. Our thoughts are getting worse. As our memories, beliefs, become more and more corrupted, devolved with wrong definitions over time. So, that leaning to the negative, availability bias, is one thing if I'm believing the truth and it's just sort of there to be a check for me to make sure I don't get myself into any life-threatening danger. It's another thing completely when my programming is so full of lies and errors to the negative that I'm constantly malfunctioning because of that already, and then the availability bias takes it to a whole nother level. See, the availability bias is supposed to be working with me believing the truth and living basically in love, joy, and peace. At least that's what I believe was designed by God. But that is not at all what is happening because of our devolution of memories, beliefs, etc. over time. So, how do you change to a positive bias? How do you change to 
believing the truth, and yeah, you know, not doing anything stupid so that you get yourself killed, but live your life free and, and without worry, anxiety, primarily in love, joy, and peace. Well, first of all, and, and you guys can probably predict what I'm going to say here, and you'd be right. First of all, you've got to clean up the lies and errors in your memories. And I would use trilogy and memory engineering for that. And, and they come at the same issues from almost opposite perspective. One code and process based, one not code based at all or anything like that. But both coming at healing those lies and errors in your memories and beliefs and programming, even the ones you don't know about. After that, you have to make a commitment that even if it means more pain, even if it means less pleasure, you are going to be committed for the rest of your life to living in love and truth in the present moment as best you can. You'll never do it perfectly. No one ever does. No one ever will on this earth. But as best you can for the rest of your life, come what may. And once you clean up the lies and errors, you'll be able to do that. Where right now, there's probably a decent chance that you can't. So, um, Google, availability bias. Check it out for yourself. But the, avail but the availability bias on top of our already malfunctioning because of all the lies and errors in our heart and mind, is just a double whammy. That and, and, and by the way, another interesting thing to me is even though all those things in the world are getting better, people, what people report is that they are less and less happy. And that's also an indicator that it's not about the externals, it's about the internals. Because if, if all these things really are better than they've ever been, most of them, in the history of the world, then how come I'm more stressed, less happy, more prescriptions, more doctor visits, more money spent on health care, more illnesses diagnosed than ever in history? Those things don't seem to go together. But they do go together if you understand that we're operating on these lies and errors. And the only way to get by that is to fix them. My favorite way for that to be fixed is to pray to God and He just does it. And I pray that every day. But outside of that, use Trilogy, which the uh, initial testing indicates an approximate 98% effectiveness. Use memory engineering, to kind of go back in time and change those memories and, and related ones that you don't know about and then commit to living your life a different way, not based on seek pleasure and avoid pain, but based on what is right, what is true, what is best, what is love-based in the present moment, no matter what. <laughs>